Welcome to the Linked Up Church Podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. Today, Pastor Joel Gregory continues in his life-changing series entitled Grace-Filled Generosity. Get your pen and your pad ready, and let's go into the worship center and hear what God has for us today. So two weeks ago, we started off talking about grace-filled generosity, and we just really laid a foundation because, of course, there's a lot of different teaching out there, and some has come forth and said that, you know, the body of Christ no longer has the time today. So we just established that uh, before the law, during the law, we established it in Acts, and of course, we established it in the New Testament. And so we can't go back over everything that we said. Uh, so let's pick up, let's read our foundation text for today, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 7 in the passion translation reads this way for you do well and excel in every respect in unstoppable faith and powerful preaching in revelation knowledge in your passionate devotion and in sharing the love we have shown to you then he says here so make sure that you excel in grace-filled generosity. And we'll really get into that today. But of course, letter A, we looked at tithing before the law, tithing during the law. And letter B, we looked at uh, in letter C, the book of Acts. And then, of course, we left off with the New Testament. And then in letter E, we talked about he didn't do away with it. He just made it better. And how many of y'all settled that you believe that, right? How many of y'all believe that, right? He didn't do away with it. He just made it better. And the better is the offering. And the better is generosity. But how many know with the generosity, he didn't get rid of the tithe. So the tithe is in your generosity. Right? And I'll show you that as we get more into it. So let's pick up with letter F today. Let's look at grace-filled generosity. Okay? And now, in, under a letter F, grace-filled generosity, Paul didn't see giving as a mundane matter, nor as something optional in our Christian walk. But on the contrary, he saw grace-filled generosity, listen to this, as a core part of what it means for us to be members of Christ's body. And I'll prove this to you. If you've ever received anything and you've been blessed, who did it come from? God ultimately, but who did he use? Another individual, right? Is that accurate? So if it wasn't true, most of us wouldn't have a lot of the blessings that we have today. A lot of the blessings that we have is because someone else has been generous to us. So it's really a core part of being a member of Christ's body. He shows us how our regular giving is rooted in three central themes in the New Testament. And we're going to look at all of them. Number one, the grace of God. That's what your giving is all rooted in. You'll see that as we go through this. Number two, the finished work of the cross. And then number three, the unity of the spirit, okay? And we're going to get into all three of those as we look at 10 principles Paul teaches about grace-filled generosity. And they're all found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9, okay? Number one, we're going to look at 10 principles that Paul teaches. Number one, generosity is an expression of God's grace. Generosity is an expression of God's grace. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Now let's read verses 1 through 6. And it says, Moreover, brethren, in the New King James Version, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. We make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Remember that. So something was bestowed on them. I mean, you have to have something on you and in you before something can come out of you. Verse 2, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. Imploring us with much urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So I want you to see process here. How many know God wants you before he wants your resources? 
And so a lot of times people struggle giving because they haven't first given their heart. And how many know when God gets your heart, then he can get pretty much anything else that you are. So notice here, it points out that I thought that was interesting there that they first gave of themselves and then to others, which is important. Imploring us with much urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministry to the saints, not only as we had hoped, uh, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urge Titus that, uh, that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. And so Paul here does not begin by referring to the generosity of the churches. That's an interesting uh, observation for me. He, he doesn't start by talking about the generosity of the churches. He starts by talking about the generosity or the grace that God put on the churches. And so where I'm going with this is in order for you to give grace, you have to first receive grace. Because it's really just an expression of God's grace. So watch this now. So the more of that you received, the more of that you want to give. And it's almost a natural response. When God's been so good to you, you want to be so good to other people. Right? Because you realize that everything that you have that's good came from God. And now he wants to use you to share that with other people. And Paul is bringing that out. And so uh, it was the generosity of the churches of Macedonia and in northern Greece. And so he starts instead with the grace which God has given to the Macedonian churches as we read in verse 1. So grace is another word, believe it or not, for generosity. And I'll prove that in a moment. So grace is another word for generosity. In other words, behind the generosity of Macedonia, Paul saw the generosity of God, right? And so there's a lot in this, right? So when, when God uses you to bless someone else, make sure that they know it was God that did it and not you. Amen. Oh, I need a little better amen. Sometimes we want to take way too much credit. Right? Instead of saying, no, 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 don't give me any of the glory. It was God that wanted to do this for you, and he just used me. So Paul saw the generosity of God. Our gracious God is a generous God. Listen to this. And he is at work in his people to make them generous too. So when you see a person that's generous, God's working in them. How many of y'all would agree with that? How I many know when you see a person that's tight, they haven't fully given themselves to God yet? All right, let's keep going here. So grace is this Greek word, charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. And listen to these definitions. It literally means graciousness. It means liberality. Grace means liberality. Another word for generosity. It means divine influence upon the heart. So, so once again, you had to have received something before you can give something. And then listen to this. Benefit, favor. This is an interesting one here. Joy. Generous people are full of joy. Do I have anyone in here that's just full of joy this morning? Can you just express that joy for about 10 seconds? Just... Put a big smile on your face. And then watch this. Gratitude. The most generous people are the most thankful people. If you ever seen an unthankful person, they, they, well, I can, let me put it to you this way. When you see ungratefulness, what does that immediately make you do? Shut down, pull back, right? So it's almost like you give them something and they say, that's all you could give me? I tell you what, then just give me that back. Come on, somebody, right, right, right or wrong? <laughs> all right? And so this word, grace, appears, this was so good to me, 10 times in two chapters. In chapters 8 and 9, the word grace appears 10 times. 
So now let's look at how this grace manifested in verses 2 through 10. And it's going to shock you. In a great trial of affliction in verse 2, that word affliction there means pressure, anguish, burden, or trouble. Anybody experiencing any affliction right now? Which simply means pressure. Anybody under pressure right now? Right? Anybody experiencing any anguish or burdens or trouble? Okay, I got a solution for you. The next thing you see is they expressed an abundance of joy. So the greater the affliction, the more joy they released. See, every person in here that raised their hand, I just gave you a little nugget right there. The more pressure Satan put on them, the more joy they released. Oh, I'm going to wait till that wells up in somebody in here. I, I said the more pressure Satan put on them, the more joy they released. They were like, Satan, is that all you got? You must don't know the character of my God and that my God shall supply all of my needs. Not according to my riches. And then watch this. Deep poverty led to rich liberality. Something about that doesn't sound right in the natural, right? But this is kingdom living. Deep poverty led to rich liberality. In other words, I didn't really have it. But what I gave, I still gave generously. See, that person has a revelation of how good God is. Right? Deep poverty led to rich liberality. Then this was interesting. They willingly and freely gave according to and beyond their ability. So some gave according to, others gave beyond their ability. Now, what does that mean, right? You don't have to turn there. It's not in your notes. But in Luke chapter 21, let, let me just kind of enlighten you to something here. In Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, Jesus was sitting over against the, the treasury. How I many you know Jesus watches the offering? Not necessarily for the amount that people give, but for the condition of their heart as they give. And he's watching that, right? And all the rich people came by. Then this poor widow came by, right? I'm getting ready to teach you something. If you have a need in here, I pray you catch this. This poor widow comes in, and the scripture says that she gives two mites, two small coins, right? Jesus called his disciples over to him. He said, fellas, come over here. I want you to see this. Now, them guys, those guys, they gave out of their abundance. Didn't really cost them anything. They didn't even feel it. <laughs> didn't mean nothing to them. No worship, no honor, no nothing. Just threw it in. But this woman, listen to what he said very carefully. She gave out of her need. Now, then he says these words. She gave more than all of them combined. Now, we know not in denomination, but in condition of heart. Okay, so, so can I teach you something right here? So that means then she had a need and she saw the solution to her need was giving. What is he teaching people who sometimes are in a tight situation? See, sometimes when, you, when it's tight, you think, I can't give. I can't afford to give. See, what he's teaching you here is you can't afford not to give. You all see that? Now, how many of y'all know that woman got her needs met? Right? And, and so sometimes, folks, and I'm talking to people who don't have as much, because you'd be surprised. People will come in, receive, and give nothing. And their justification is, it's tight right now. Well, how many of you know it's getting ready to stay tight? Oh, Jesus, I know. Come on, somebody help me in here today. I'm, I'm really talking to a generous crowd. It doesn't even apply to you. I'm giving this to you so you can help other people. But, but so the solution for her then, she had a need. 
And so she gave. She gave out of her need. So when she had a need, she saw the solution is giving. And Jesus said, this woman has given more than all of them combined because of the condition of her heart. So, so what Jesus is teaching all of us here is that, man, when it gets tight and the burden comes, a couple of things you want to always have. Don't let the devil steal your joy, right? And if you just have one dollar, Anybody ever been there? I just need some witnesses. It got quiet on that nugget right there. I, I just need some witnesses in here, right? I can remember when I didn't have anything to give, and I took the watch off my, my wrist. Don't anybody in here do that. And I, the, the bucket went by. I put that in. Next week, I didn't have nothing to give, and I took the pencil. I was taking notes with and put that in there. I remember another time I had a pen, and the bucket went by, and I put a pen in there. Then all of a sudden, God started just giving me resources. And I come from deep poverty. Anybody else in here come? I come from like poverty, poverty. I'm talking about sandwiches with no meat in between. Y'all don't know nothing about that. I'm talking about just mayonnaise and mustard, bread. Oh, Lord. I'm talking about bologna sandwiches that taste like steak dinners. I'm talking about you cook them until they blow up, you know. Then you cut them on the sides. Come on, somebody. Then you smash them down. Come on, flip them over on the other side. Come on, get a little burn on them. Come on, somebody. Right? Put a little mustard on that, right? Anybody else in here come from that? Y'all don't know nothing about that, right? And I'm telling you, I gave my way out of poverty. Number five, they pleaded for the privilege to do so. Six, they had a heart to partner in ministering to other saints. They gave of themselves then to the leadership to do the will of God. And see, leadership cannot use people that have not first given themselves to God. Right? So so when you see churches struggling, it's simply sometimes it's not the vision, it's not the leadership, it's the people haven't surrendered to God yet. And the more you get an environment that surrender, I mean, you know, we'll accomplish a lot more for God. All right? And then Paul urged Titus to complete that grace that he had begun in them. And so what was the purpose of Paul urging that? Right? Why did Paul urge, uh, Paul urge Titus to complete that? Because we have good intentions. How many of y'all have ever said, I'm going to start giving when I get my new job? How many of y'all have ever said, as soon as I get my taxes and, and I pay off a few bills, I'm going to start giving? Anybody ever been there? Right? Anybody? Right? We make all these promises, good intentions, right? And so Paul is just reminding Titus to remind the people to make sure that they finish what they began. Right? And if you understand Satan, if you tell him you're going to start next week, next week he's going to send something else in there for you to say, I'll start next month. And then he'll send something else in there so you can say, well, I'll just wait to a clean slate. It's top of the year. And it's June when you said that. Come on, anybody in here know what I'm talking about, right? And so he's urging them to complete what they began. Let's look at number two. Giving is listed along with the charisma gifts of the Spirit or the charismata as we learned in Bible school. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 again, a foundation text says, but just as you excel in everything... And lead the way in faith according to the Amplified Bible. Listen to that. You excel in everything. And you lead the way in faith. In speech and knowledge. Genuine concern. And in your love for us. But then notice what he said. But see that you excel in this gracious work of giving also. So how I many know Paul wouldn't bring that out if that wasn't present? So now, let me challenge you. This is the 830 group, so I can be a little stronger with you all. The word excel means to exceed. It means to increase. It means to be better. It means to go over and above. Right? And so, remember back in Malachi chapter 3? 
when they asked him the question, where have we robbed you, God? He said two things, right? What did he say? So, so the offering then is above and beyond, right? And so, you know, for years, I would only give the tithe. Anybody ever been there? Nothing more, nothing less. Why are you all looking at me like that, like I'm the only one, right? For a long time, too. Now, I've always been generous, but I didn't build generosity into my giving. So, excel means to increase. Another word for grow. So, we should grow in our giving. Is that accurate? So, for years. And so, what happened to me was, how many of y'all have ever heard of Apostle Frederick K.C. Price? You know, I like being around grown men that don't care about what you think about what they said to you or how they said it. Right? So he, he's going through this checklist where you're integrous, uh, have you, your wife, what about your giving? Right? He's asking me all these questions before he'll come in and, and support us. Right? He said, what about your giving? So I told him, I've been a tither all my saved life. He said, what do you mean by that? I said, I've given God 10% my whole saved life. Then he, he said this, and that's all you've done? You've never given beyond that? You've never grown in your giving? He was disappointed in me. I mean, you know, when I said it, I felt like this. When he corrected me, I felt like this, right? And then he began to open up the scriptures to me to show me that as a leader, you can't take the people where you've never been. So the people are going to be just like you are. Right? And so immediately I shared a revelation with my wife. And so we started increasing our giving by percentages. Right? We went from 10 to 11 to 12 to 14. So, so, so in that, I mean, no, I didn't stop tithing. The tithe is now in the 15. We went from 15 to 16 to 17 to 18 to 19 to 20. Right? And we just keep growing. And so now every time something comes to me, the first thing I want to know is what's 20% of that? Right? And every year we just keep growing. Right? And so, so I didn't stop tithing. I excelled in my giving. And so the tithe is in the 20. The 10 is in the 20. Now on my giving, I actually don't separate it out. I just give 20%. And the tithe is in there. And I put it all under the tithe category. And then when I'm just giving just to be giving, I put that in the offering. So that's still above and beyond the 20. Can everybody see that? How many of y'all say to yourself, I can grow a little bit myself? Right? Right? And I thank God for a wife that allows us to do this. Now, she's sitting right here. What we've watched over the last 10 years is beyond our imagination. I would say he's given us back more in the last 10 years than he did the first 24 years when I was just giving him just 10%. Accurate. How many of y'all ready to grow? Two people. I said, how many of y'all ready to grow out there? Seven people. I said, how many of y'all ready to grow out there? Because you're not going to beat him giving. It's impossible. All right, let's keep reading here. So the Corinthians already excel in the spiritual gifts of faith, right? Speech, knowledge, earnestness, and love. But now the apostle urges them to excel also in this grace of giving. So we're going to look at Romans chapter 12 in a moment, but in Romans chapter 12, hey, Paul includes among another list of the charismata contributing to the needs of others as a spiritual gift or grace. And we'll look at that in a moment. So many of God's gifts are generously bestowed, right, in some measure or another on all believers. But some have something special on them. So an example of this would be, I mean, we're all called to get people saved. All of us are called to save. But I mean, some people have a special grace called evangelism. Or they're called to that office of evangelism, right? We're all called to be generous. But I mean, some people have the gift of giving. 
right? And God anoints them and, and their role and purpose in the body of Christ. God blesses their businesses and he graces them to make money and they become extremely wealthy, right? They have something on them that helps fund God's mission in the earth, right? Uh, you can also look at it this way. Minister Russell is in pastoral care, right? He has a heart for people. The reason we put him in that role is because he would go to the hospital when he wasn't a minister on staff. And he would just go and pray for people and just walk down the hallways. And, and so, how I many you know, I can see on him a grace to do that. Because typically when people will do something for no money, how many of y'all know that's a grace on them to do that? Right? And so that's a, a congregational care, a pastoral care type of work. But I mean, no, he might not necessarily be called the pastor. Can everybody see that? And so, so God deals to everyone a measure of faith. But then, I mean, you know, some people have what's called the gift of faith. And there's a difference between the two, right? Some people have this ability to believe God for just wow stuff. It's a gift. Well, grace giving can also be this same kind of grace here. So when you think about it, how many of y'all believe that's on you to steward and be responsible for God's resources? How many of y'all believe that? How many of y'all believe God wants to make you rich to help a whole lot of people? Five people. Boy, everybody in here, I would have raised my hand on that one right there. All right, let, this is not in your notes, but I, I sense you need to understand this. Put up 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17 through 19. I want to show you something here. Put up in the Passion Translation. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17 through 19, before we read Romans 12. I want to show you something here. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, out of the Passion Translation. While they're getting that, does anyone have it pulled up real fast for me? 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17 through 19. There it is right there. All right. It says, to all the rich of this world, I command you not to be wrapped in thoughts of pride over your prosperity or rely on your wealth. For your riches are unreliable and nothing compared to the living God. Trust instead in the one, keep going, trust instead in the one who lavishes upon us all good things, fulfilling our every need. Watch this. Remind the wealthy to be rich in remarkable works of extravagant generosity, willing to share with others. These spiritual investments will provide a beautiful foundation for their lives and secure for them a great future as they lay their hands upon the meaning of true life. So if you understand what we just read, the only reason God, God makes you rich is so that you can help a whole lot of other people. Amen. Only reason God is doing what he's doing for Linked Up Church is so we can help a whole lot of people. Okay? Everybody clear on that? You don't want to hoard it to yourself. See, some people, if they get it, you won't see them anymore. Others, if they get it, you're going to see them more than you saw them prior to that because they realize that came from God. Which one do you want to be? You want to be the one that the more God blesses you, the more available you are for him. Okay, let's keep going here. Look at Romans chapter 12, 3 through 8. I'm going to read this out of the Message Bible. It says, I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude. Romans 12, 3 through 8, out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me. See, look at that. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me. See, I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me. Paul is acknowledging that everything that he has came from God. And especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you, Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace. It's important that you're, you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. Did you all understand what he just said? He said, don't misinterpret yourself, right? 
and think that where would the church be if I wasn't here? Better off if that's your attitude. Right? Like in a relationship, husband and wife, if my attitude is where would you be if you didn't marry me? Who wants to be around that? Or vice versa, right? No, nobody wants to be around that, right? And, and so all Paul is saying here is everything that you have, don't misinterpret where it came from. If you're debt free, give God the glory for that. Come on, somebody. If you have a job, you ought to lift up both hands right now and thank God for putting you in position to have that job. Come on, if you have savings right now, you ought to thank God that there's savings in your bank account. Come on, if there's food in your refrigerator, don't think that your smarts and your expertise and your ability to work all week and, and how excellent you are and your degrees and all of that puts you in. No, man, if God's grace wasn't on your life, you would not be where you are right now. Come on, somebody ought to realize that and don't misinterpret yourself. The moment I start thinking it's me, he'll sit me down so fast and put somebody else up here. Come on, somebody, and show me in a lickety split. Boy, if I didn't put my grace and my anointing on your life, you wouldn't be nothing. And it just reminds me of a, of a gentleman, not here at Linked Up Church, but he, he, he misinterpreted himself. He was extremely gifted, extremely talented. And he comes into my office, he's got his laptop, he pulls his laptop out, shows me his education, his background, all of his accomplishments, everything that he's done, the places that God had taken him, all the places around the world, and, and he wants to come in and serve at this particular place that we're at. And, and, and then he says, now, I do all of this, and this is what I would bring to your church. And so I see my gift as equally as important as your gift. And then he says, I, won't, I can't do this job for anything less than this. So I said, I guess you can't do the job then. True story. Now, now, he calmed himself down. I said, no, this is what this job pays. You come here, prove yourself, earn that, there's room for growth. But this is what this job pays. Attitude, even though he did that, because he misinterpreted himself, his attitude was never right. And it would show itself because he would always challenge me. Always challenging me, right? And it's interesting that I look at his life today. Not even in ministry. Lost his family. He misinterpreted himself. Stay humble. Stay humble, please. You should never ever present yourself before God that I can only do something for you for a certain dollar amount. Now, I'm not saying you should not be valued at the level that you've achieved in life. I'm talking about attitude here. You all getting anything out of this today? You still glad you came to church? Online, are you glad you joined us today? Come on, let's give God a good hallelujah praise in this place. Come on, online, put up the hallelujah hands, put up the praise hand, type in praise God. Come on, we, we can't misinterpret ourselves. If we are great, it's because God made us great. Give him the glory. Paul said, don't misinterpret yourself here. Living uh, then as everyone uh, of you does in pure grace, it is important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. Boy, that's so good right there. Man, that's so good right there. Verse 4 and 5, in this way, we are like various parts of a human body. 
Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So you know what he's saying? Pastor Gregory, I use you this way. But you would not be as effective if you didn't have your wife beside you to help you. You know what else he's saying? Pastor Gregory, I use you this way. But if I didn't send Minister Johnny to you. And when you get every person in the body operating this way, instead of judging somebody else for what they don't do well. See, so why judge them? And that's exactly what you do well. Why don't you feel your place in the body? See, if you're sitting there saying, well, we need to do this and we need to do that. And why don't we do this? You know why you see it that way? Because you can feel that void. We need a better social media. We need all of this we need. Well, what are you doing? And the body will never function properly until everyone is doing their role. Then we will impact cities, states, and nations. Okay. So each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us find our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all of these excellently excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let us just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other. Or trying to be something that we are. See, here's the reality. I would love to sing like Minister Bernard. I promise you, I would sing every week. Before I get up to minister, I start with a song. But how many of you know this place would be empty if I did that every week? Right? So, so, so that's what he does. That's the grace that's on his life. See, and see, so, so, so he can't get upset with the grace that's on my life. I can't get upset with the grace that's on his life. But when we celebrate the grace that's on each other's life, it makes beautiful music for the body of Christ. And we stop competing against each other, comparing ourselves to other people. Here's the reality, folks. I'm not T.D. Jakes. I'd blow my throat out if I tried to yell like that. I don't have that. I don't, I'm not Eddie Long. I'm not whoever you want me to be. My name is Joel Gregory, and I love myself just the way God made me. I'm enough for God, so I am enough for me. I am happy in my own skin just the way he made me, and I'm not trying to be anybody else. So if you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, then help, but don't try to take over. See, if you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give, see, encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. See, give guidance, but don't try to control somebody's life. I love this. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. But watch this. But if you're called to give, see, see, giving is a grace. If you're called to give, then aid people in distress. Keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged like Holly does, then don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. See? Because we need to build larger special needs facilities. I'll say it again. We need to build larger special needs facilities. Right? They shouldn't come to church and feel like an outcast. They should come to church and feel welcome. Like the church made special provision for special people. See, don't get irritated by them. Keep a smile on your face. And let's close here today. Number three, the finished work 
of cross or finished work of the cross should inspire our giving. The finished work of the cross. Has God blessed anybody in this building? Has God ever healed anybody in this building? Has God protected anybody in this building? See, all of those thoughts should inspire our giving. See, do you realize no matter how old you are, if God hadn't protected you up until today, you wouldn't be here. And it just, it reminds me, I was a, a young man's youth pastor, and the, I don't know who, got, who, who sent it to me, but he wanted me written in his obituary. Now, now how many of y'all know that he was only 40 years old? And he's saying, you know, and I'm in the, like, I share with my wife, I'm like, man, so young. But then it helps me reflect that if God hadn't kept me, I wouldn't be here today. You know, I was riding my motorcycle the other day. I didn't tell my wife this because I didn't want her afraid while I'm out there riding. I was riding my motorcycle, and I'm riding down two lanes. And there's two lanes on this side, two lanes on that side. And typically, I ride, she rides with me, I ride in the left lane. Now, I'm going to tell you what I believe happened, you, you, whatever, however you want to handle it. Somehow, I ended up like in a daze and over in the right lane. And if you ride a long time, how I many know sometimes you can get glossy-eyed? And, and so I actually didn't really remember, and, and, and a car just flew by me. And so in my mind, the road had changed. You know what I mean? So now it's just a one lane, and cars are going both ways. And I'm still out of it, right? I'm on two cars, just flew by. So I get up to the light, and it's two, the cars at the light is two lanes. And so I asked the guys, hold on, you did they just fly down the wrong lane? And he said, yeah. Then a pickup truck pulls up on the other side. Did you see those fools flying the wrong way on the road? Now, I'm just telling my story. Let me tell you what I believe happened to me. Right? Put me in some kind of something. Because I, I really wasn't aware. I, I kind of went and didn't think it actually happened. So I get to the light to ask questions. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. How many times have you just rolled past an accident and thought to yourself, had I left a minute earlier? Come on, somebody. How, how many times have you? Come on, I'm just trying to help you understand that if God has not kept in all of our giving should be in light of what he provided for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. Okay? So, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 says again in the Amplified, I'm not saying this as a command to dictate to you, but to prove by pointing out the enthusiasm of others, the sincerity of your love as well, for your recognizing more clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. His astonishing kindness, his generosity, his gracious favor, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich, abundantly blessed. So Paul was not commanding the Corinthians to give generously. That would be the wrong spirit. See, that's, some, some, that's kind of how I came up a little bit, right? Some of y'all broke because you don't give. How I many you know that's not getting ready to inspire anybody to give right there? Some of y'all in the situation you're in right now, that's why you're broke, busted, disgusted, you can't get no job because you don't give. How I many you know that's not getting ready to inspire anybody to give? Am I right or wrong? If I ever do that, stand up, walk out of this church, put the one finger up, and just walk right out of the building, right? Paul's not commanding the Corinthians to give. This is not how he deals with them. But rather, he puts the sincerity of their love to the test by comparing them with, the, with others, and especially it is implied with Christ. So all he's doing here is comparing them with Christ. Think about all that he's done for you when you give. And it should inspire you, right? Can everybody see that? 
So let's just look further here as we close. Let's look further at these references to divine grace, right? So in verse 1, the grace of God is at work in us, right? That has to be there first, right? Has to be in us before it can flow out of us. And then in verse uh, 9, uh, the grace of Christ challenges us to respond in like fashion. So once we've received it, then that same grace is going to challenge us to respond in like fashion, right? Then let's also notice these references here to rich, poor, poverty, and rich. So the first three references are all referring to Jesus in those verses we just read. The last rich is referring to us. So let's listen to this very carefully. The first rich, when it talks about he was rich, Christ, is the Greek word plusios, and it means he was wealthy, abounding with, or rich. How many know Christ was not poor? Listen, they cast lots for his clothes, right? So he was not poor. A lot of people spiritualize that, and he's talking about spiritual things. No, he's talking about Christ was wealthy. The, the next word here, but he became poor, a beggar. He became poor. When did that happen, folks? On that cross. He stripped himself of all of his privileges so that we could have those privileges, Right? Then it says here, he exchanged his poverty, his beggary, seriously impoverished condition on that cross. He exchanged that so that we could be rich. Different Greek word here for rich. Listen to this. This Greek word is pluteo, and it means to become wealthy, to be increased with goods. It means to be made or wax rich. So now we're talking about a process. It's not automatic. So if you think about everything we've been talking about, you can give yourself into abundance. You can educate yourself into abundance. I mean, you can learn your way into abundance. But a lot of times we've been thinking over the years it's going to fall out of the sky. It's probably going to be work reward. You learn a skill and he blesses your business. You get an education. He gives you a promotion or a raise, right? Every time you go higher, you give more, and he takes you higher. You go get more education. Whatever it is, it's a process, but it's not automatically. You know what? I've been frustrated, and I've got to close. You know what? I've been frustrated over the years. People think that I can just put something in an offering, and God's going to make me rich, and that's a lie from the pit of hell. How? He'll bless you. But you're going to have to do something to be rich. You know, I, I just would feel bad for people. I'd go buy offices and they'd have this big old house up on this house. And now by faith, I'm believing God for this house and that's my car. And so if he gives you that house, how are you going to keep the maintenance up on it? Working this job. If he bless you with that car, the oil change is $600 on that car. Working this job, how, you just, how will you get the oil change? So I don't want us to, I'm not teaching a prosperity message here. I'm not saying anything here other than it's twofold, right? Develop yourself, make yourself more usable so God can raise you up. Yeah, yeah. So God can raise you up so that you can give more. All right, you all get anything out of this today? All right. So because, let's all stand to our feet. So because of our poverty, Christ renounces his riches, right? So that through his poverty, we might become rich. I prophesy this over this entire room and everybody working, watching online right now. Everyone in here has the ability to be wealthy. Every single one. God loves all of his children the same. Will everyone be wealthy? That's not up to God. That's up to you. Do you all believe that today? So as we give, let's always reflect on the cross, right? And all that was achieved for us through the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And think about your giving this way. How meager are our earthly riches in comparison to his life, death, burial, and resurrection. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands to the Father. 
and just begin to worship him right where you're at right now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Yep. Search your heart right now and know your ways. Ask God by the Spirit to search your heart and know your ways. All right. And Father, if there be any wicked way in any of us, lead us in the way everlasting. But more importantly, Father, you demonstrated such great generosity by giving us the gift of your son so that we could all stand here today and be blessed the way that we're blessed today with the opportunity to be blessed even more. And so now, Father, I know how good you are and I know how much you love people. I know what you would love more than anything else is to have more sons and to have more daughters in your kingdom. That's why you gave your only begotten son so that whosoever believes on him not perish, but have everlasting Zoe kind of life. Praise God. I trust that this message has touched your heart today. Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, we want to invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with him, but you've just gotten away and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. I want to lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He died, rose from the grave, and He is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth, what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus' name, praise God. We are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations. We are so excited that you made the decision to get connected to God. Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit us at linkedupchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. You can also watch live services, view past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkedupchurch.com or text Get Connected to 94000. Thanks again for listening. Have an amazing week, and we look forward to connecting with you.